He's got a, a bat. Praise the Lord. Ah, some people want a long one. I'm just, if it's all right, Steve, just going to pray for Steve. Um, Lord Jesus, I want to just thank you for this man. I thank you the way he serves us so well. Lord Jesus, day after day, week after week. Lord, I thank you for the hours he's put in for this church, Lord Jesus. I think thank you for the, um, the tears sown for this church, for the prayers for this church. I pray you just bless him today, Lord. Bless him the words for us on rest. Lord Jesus, will you equip us and encourage us? Lord, will you help us to understand your word better, to know you better, Lord Jesus, as a result of this? Bless him, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. There we go. Chat to the people around you. Say hello, particularly if you don't know people around you. Just make each other feel welcome. Doesn't have to be awkward. I know we're British. Bit of family time. Right then. It's nice to chat, isn't it? Family times, good times. Right then. Today I am preaching on rest. I will explain this in just a moment up on the screen. Uh, last week... Bob, if you were here, was preaching on uh, the subject of work. It's kind of a two-part mini-series about work and rest. And I thought Bob did exceptionally well last week. Very inclusive, understanding the whole holistic concept of, of work and so on. But he asked a really good question, even in his title. He said, work, is it a necessary evil or God opportunity? So I think it's a brilliant, brilliant question to ask. Work meaning... Just the whole essence of labour. We're not just talking about the marketplace, not just talking about career. We're talking about voluntary work, whether that's privately organised or working for a charity, whether that's doing the housework, DIY, raising a family. There are so many elements of work that all of us are called to and, and get involved in. It's not just about career. Work is a good thing. God worked himself. Work is a good thing. And God, from there, he then commands us to do the same that Bob showed us through, through the Bible. Work is hampered by the world's brokenness, the sin 
around us. The world, including humanity particularly, is broken. And so therefore, there is the temptation to laziness, hampers work. Either we see in the people around us that we have to work with, or quite often we forget to realise is in us. The temptation to laziness, or the opposite, the temptation to workaholism as well. Not working is just as ungodly and dangerous as working too much. There needs to be a healthy balance. But we have to fight these things. There is stress involved. Work now is arduous as a result of sin, as a result of brokenness around us. But work is also, there's an opportunity to worship through it. It's, um, it's an opportunity to seek the good in it, to, to witness through it, to contribute to society and to what God's doing through his kingdom advance and so on. And it, work is a part of what it means to be fully human. Work is a good thing. However, we don't have endless batteries either, do we? we don't, we're not on fully 100% charge all the time, are we? Work needs to be balanced with rest. And so today I just want to look at God's intentions when it comes to that very subject. We're going to look at three areas of rest. We're going to look at the, the why, the how, and the who, effectively. Why rest? We're going to look at the reason for rest, what the Bible tells us about this. We're going to look at the how, the roots of rest. Just a few little practical principles that are worth pointing out that sometimes may be obvious to us, sometimes may not be so. Keep it simple, but just some little thoughts about the subject of how we rest. But ultimately, I want to land on the who, where we find our supreme rest, ultimately. So, first of all, the reason for rest. Why, why, why do we need to rest? What's the point in it all? Well, time is a very precious commodity, isn't it? We only have so much. We only have 24 hours in the day. We only have seven days in the week. Quite often I wish we had 25 hours in a day and eight days in a week. That would be lovely. But God knows better than I do. And that's what we've got. I don't know if anyone's seen, there's a Justin Timberlake film called In Time. It's a futuristic sci-fi film where people have these kind of little digital displays on their forearms that are wired into their DNA. And it's got their expiry date, basically. It's a countdown. How many years, months, days and hours you've got left. And actually, you can exchange, you can exchange some of it. You can give someone an extra 50 days of your life and things like this. But actually, also, it means you live your life very different when you know how much you've got left. We, we can live oblivious to that. We've all got, not being morbid, we've, got, we've all got an expiry date. But the principle is we can, be, we can waste time because we don't have a proper understanding of what life's all about and actually what's, what's behind it all. There are only so many hours in a day and so many days in a week. Now, when it comes to money, we understand that if you're going to be wise with your money, you, you need to steward it well. You set some aside for... Um, special things, you prioritise money for important things like a roof over your head and food in your belly and gifts for friends and so on and so forth. Or you can waste it. You can waste money. You can be unwise with your money. We can do the same with our time. How do we apportion time to different areas of our life? And this is where it comes to work and rest as much as other things. With time, we need to spend it wisely to our advantage, to others' advantage and to God's glory. But we can also waste it. And we can waste it to our own physical and spiritual detriment, even when we think we're not. We know it's, we know it's wise to monitor our diet, even if we don't. We know it's wise to. <laughs> we know it's wise to exercise, whether that's going to the gym or just keeping your steps up for the day. We know it's wise to sleep a sufficient amount of hours, if you're able to. That's physical care. 
the physical MOT is a good thing to keep abreast of what needs changing in our life when things are going awry physically. But when it comes to the spiritual side of things, how often really do we give attention to our spiritual and our emotional care? Really. We don't always, do we? We all carry a load, don't we? We all carry a load, an emotional and a spiritual load of things in our life. The world is not easy because of sin. There is brokenness around us and in us, and we carry a load. Sometimes we're caring for others. Sometimes we've got responsibilities and so on. We all carry a load. Can I have the next slide up? Oh, you've done it. There we go. How's that for a load? Sometimes we don't quite realise how big our rucksack is. Oh, that's amazing. I don't know what she's got in there. I think other people. We need rest for physical reasons. Sleep, for example, that re-energizes your body's cells. It enables, sleep enables your brain to dispel waste chemicals and to make connections better and so on and so forth. We understand the need for physical rest, but when it comes to spiritual rest, there is a point to rest that does something even deeper because half the time we're blind to the fact of quite the load we're carrying until you take time out and then you realize the load you've been carrying. It's not until you do that that you quite realise what's going on. We don't realise how big our rucksack is. Do you want to turn to Genesis chapter 2? These are the same verses that Bob started with last week. He focused on one word, beginning with W. I'm going to focus on one word, beginning with rest. Beginning with rest, what? Beginning with R. He looked at work, I'm going to look at rest. In the very same verses, Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 says this, after God had created everything, it just says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. And it repeats, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now, God never gets tired. God is God. God doesn't sleep. So why, why did he rest? Why did he need to rest? Part of it is an appreciation and an enjoyment of what he's done. If you keep working, you don't always enjoy, you always enjoy what's around you. But actually, the Bible says there's something more to it than that, why God rested. Exodus, Exodus chapter 31. Exodus 31, verse 17, is absolutely fascinating. This is... This is God himself speaking to his people through the prophet Moses. This is God's own words. Exodus 31, verse 17, it says, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. God was refreshed. I'm still trying to get my head around that. That's brilliant. God himself says, on the seventh day, he, I, rested, and I was refreshed. We're suddenly understanding that this concept of rest is very different to quite often how we perceive it. This is about a deep, innate, soulful refreshment that we can often miss. And when we understand God enjoyed and was able to be refreshed by resting, then we understand when he commands us to rest we understand there's a, such a fatherly intent behind it because he knows exactly what we need. This is a whole other kind of rest. This isn't just stopping. This isn't about stopping doing. This is about being. And so he tells his people in Exodus chapter 20 in the Ten Commandments, it gets mentioned right in the middle of the Ten Commandments about rest, doesn't it? Exodus chapter 20, 
right in the middle of all the other commandments about no other gods before me and you mustn't steal and so on. He's saying this, Exodus 20 verse 8, he says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you will labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then verse 11, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. He was refreshed on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God is commanding us to keep one day out of seven for holy rest. And something we can miss there, the context of the verse amongst all the other commandments, means that us being flippant about holy rest is just as serious a matter as it is about theft and murder. Think about it. God shared ten commandments. There are other commandments around it and about lifestyle and about living apart as, as people set apart for God. But these particular ten commandments, he makes a point. One of them is about getting rest. And it's amongst a collection of verses about not having any other gods, other gods before him, not stealing and not murdering. That's how seriously God takes rest. And that's been, even just while I've been studying for this, it's just been a check to my heart. How seriously do I take rest? Do I take it as seriously as not murdering other people? And sometimes I'd like to. Do I really take rest that seriously? But the thing is, even when we still take that one day out of seven, even when we att attempt to keep one day in seven separate, we can still miss some of the point of it, really, the heart of it. Because our world is constrained to believe that we rest out of work. <sighs> I'm knackered, I need to stop. The whole, we wear ourselves out, then we retreat to repair, and then we repeat the cycle. You know, you work a full week, and then, way well, it's the weekend. You catch a breath, ready for the next barrage. The way our Western world is set up is that we think the week starts on Monday morning. <sighs> Here we go. Monday blues. And you've got five days of work, but at the end of it is the weekend where you can recover. That's not actually God's concept of work and rest at all. What was the first full day that mankind got to experience? After creation, on the sixth day, God made man. Next day, the next full day, man's first experience of a full 24 hours on this planet was a day of rest, ready to work out of. You see, the biblical perspective is not resting out of work, whew, catching your breath, it's that we work out of a place of rest. And that's how you get to work 100% until your full ability for his glory out of a place of rest rather than resting from work necessarily. Does that make sense? It does say in Genesis chapter 2, it says God rested from his work, but it's not because he's exhausted. It's a resting from, away from work, but it's in order to be able to be refreshed for more. See, one concept about re resting, resting out of work, oh, I'm shattered, that is about recovery. That's not, what, that's not God's intent for rest. Rest is that it bears about how we work out of rest. Instead of recovery, it's about renewal. It's very, very different. The Hebrew concept of a day is very different to ours. We think the day starts in the morning. You get up in the morning, have your breakfast, go to work, get, get exhausted, come home, have some food and crash, go to sleep. That's not God's concept of a day. That's not the Hebrew concept of a day. You look in creation, in the creation story, in Genesis chapter 1, God made this. There was evening and there was morning the first day. Not morning and evening. There was evening and there was morning the first day. 
The Hebrew concept of a day starts in the evening. The Hebrew understanding of a day is that it's, it's, it's evening time, you have a meal time with the family, it's family time, you're enjoying each other's company, you're praising God together, you go to sleep and you wake up halfway through God's day and you get to join in on what he's already started. But you're now working out of a place of rest. See the difference? It's a complete flip side to the way our Western society operates. And that's why quite often, even when you've had a weekend, you're shattered come Monday. It's, it's a psychological spin. It's a whole 180-degree spin on our whole understanding of how we balance work and rest. We work out of a place of rest. It's very, very different. And that's why we need it. It's about taking time out to honour and reflect on the greatness of God and about being refreshed at a deep level, not merely just recovering. Very different. That's why we need it. But therefore... We also need to know how. Who's good at resting? Who thinks they're good at resting? Oh, Jenny is. Jenny's good at resting. Sometimes we don't even know how to do it, do we? What does it look like? What does rest look like? First of all, it's good to be aware of some of the many things that stop us from resting. Some of us are better at it than others. Some of us find it really hard. The whole concept of working unto the Lord. I'm doing this as unto the Lord. I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'll keep going. (laughs) That's not godly. I'm doing it for the Lord. It's all right. No, he's commanded you to rest. Not actually seeking appropriate God-honoring rest is not honoring God. He tells us to rest. Working unto the Lord is a good thing, but don't use that as an excuse to not stop. But also, we need to be aware of our more secular society around us, the big whispers around us, the things like, for example, there's the whisper that if you're doing something well, and you stop doing it, it will fall apart. Whether it's a project, you look after a team or a group or a department or just something in particular, whatever it is, the society's whisper around us, if, you, if you're doing it well and you stop doing it, it will fall apart. That's a lie, generally. It probably won't fall apart. Or others might be able to, um, others might step in in your absence and do it differently. Might do it better. Might breathe some new life into it. And you need to be all right with that. But if it does fall apart because you're not there, then maybe it's because it's been built around you more than the idea itself in the first place. And that's not always a good thing either, is it? Another whisper in our society is if that you're not doing something well, then you need to find a way of not being found out. It's true, isn't it? It's true. Don't get found out. Don't, don't, don't admit weakness. That's poison. You're just going to burn yourself into the ground. It's okay to say, I'm not coping. That's okay. You need help and you need to be doing something different. That's all right. Don't listen to the lie that you mustn't be found out. Those kind of things, just a few examples, those are the kind of things that actually stop us from resting. But again, how do we rest? How do we rest? Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16 says this. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the roads and look, and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. And walk in it and find rest for your souls. I'll read that again. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is. And walk in it and find rest for your souls. Sometimes we need to just stand and we need to look. And we need to ask for where the ancient paths are, for where the good way is. That's where we find our rest. Because 
Quite often we're thinking about what's the latest fads? What's the latest thing I can do to rest? It's not about the latest fads. It's about the simple, ancient truths of godly rest. And sometimes they're the most obvious things. So just some practical principles just to be aware of. Rest, firstly, this rucksack's starting to... It's good. It's starting to wear on my shoulders now. Firstly, rest is not just turning your brain off. It's not just doing nothing. Rest is actively seeking renewal of your body, mind and soul. So top of the list, actually, is one of the ancient ways, one of the ancient paths, one of the simple truths. Top of the list, prayer. Prayer. Prayer is about reconnecting with our creator. Prayer is about reconnecting with the source of life, light and love. Why would we not have that at the top of our list? Now, I know we just spent a month in prayer as a church and admitting to ourselves we're not always very good at it. It's something we can always grow in. But top of the list needs to be prayer. When it comes to rest, it needs to be there. Prayer, reconnecting with our Creator. Another one, reflection. So this is all related, of course. Reflection. Otherwise, we can have blind spots. We can lose awareness of what's really going on in our lives. We're actually burning the candle at both ends. You don't always get that until you take yourself out of the place of work to realize you're doing it. We need to be deliberate. So reflection, listening, taking notice of what's around us, listening, listening to other people, not just hearing their words and thinking what you're going to say back to them, listening underneath the surface. And actually, not only do you connect with those people at a deeper level, you learn from them. Listening. Relationships, reconnecting with people. You can be so busy doing stuff, you don't actually get to connect in community or with family and so on. Learning to be present in the room, not to be distracted. But here's the key. See, rest about not, it's not just about doing nothing. See, work is actively doing. Rest is not doing nothing. Re- work is, act- is actively doing. Rest is actively being. And we need to take time out to do that. Secondly, being aware that leisure activities, and we've all got ones we like, leisure activities are okay, but we need to be aware that leisure activities may not be restful. What do I mean by that? Well, they might be fun. Leisure activities generally are okay. They might be fun, but they might not be feeding your soul. If we talk about, oh, I watch certain comedies because it helps me switch my brain off. Actually, if you're doing that, you're not being discerning about the messages of some of those comedies. And I think there's a lot of rom-coms out there whose messages are far more insidious than a lot of horror films out there. Just saying. You can't just switch your brain off while you're letting media just barrage you with messages. You need to be very, very careful. There's a big difference when it comes to leisure activities as well, though. There's a big difference between self-comfort and self-care. There's a, uh, a Christian author called Sarah Bessie, and she says this, self-comfort is about numbing. It's just about numbing yourself. It's like Novocaine, isn't it? Just something just to turn my brain off. That's not, that's not healthy. Self-comfort is about numbing. She continues, she says, self-care is about coming alive. Self-care fills the well of your soul. You see, leisure activities aren't inherently bad. Please don't mishear me. But we need to do more than just simply recover physically. We need to ask, am doing this, am I refilling my soul's well? Another one, out of that, therefore, you need to know what, what does recharge you, what, what renews you. And for many of us, that can be quite different in many ways. We're, some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts, some of us are a bit of both in between. You need to know what recharges you. 
I love human beings. I think human beings are fascinating. I love their stories. I love making friends. I love making as many friends as possible. But I recharge by being nowhere near them. <laughs> I'm a massive, I'm a gobby, but I'm a massive introvert. And that's how I recharge. And I need to recognize that. And there are times I need to just take myself away. Other people, Ollie Mills, for example, he recharges by being around as many people as possible with as much noise as possible. I can do that for a duration. I've learned how to extrovert, but I can only do it for a certain season, and then I have to, for a certain amount of time, I have to then step away. Ollie, if he, if he steps away for a certain period of time like I do, he's, he's chomping at the bit. He needs people to re recharge him. You need to know what recharges your batteries. You need to know that. Some people find exercise restful. Some people think that sounds horrific. Some people find reading restful. Some people can't think of anything worse. You just need to know what feeds you, whether it's DIY, gardening, writing, watching films, whether it's silence, whether it's loud music, whether it's cooking, whether it's with friends or family or not being near your family. <laughs> could be what, what helps you renew and refill the well of your soul. If you're unsure, ask for help in finding out. But just be very aware that just switching your brain off is not rest. That actually can be quite dangerous. It's not actually filling the well of your soul, is it? But then there's also the intentionality of on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and even on a seasonal basis, is creating space. We need to be intentional to do it. I've color I'm, I'm a bit anal, I know, but I've color-coded my calendar now. So I book space for rest into my calendar. Bits in the day, bits in the week, bits over the year. I'll book it in so I know I've got it, rather than finding out I need it and I didn't get it because I was too busy. I book it in. Even if I've got lots on, no, I'm going to step out of this. I've got all that to do, but I'm going to take a bit of time of rest because then I'll be able to do that better. It's really important. So even on a daily basis, a life, generally, a life without margins is one that will show cracks very quickly. Always, where possible, create a, a space in your schedules and that create moments that slow your heart down. Book them in. Book them in. Working lunches are okay. Sometimes they're necessary, but don't let them become a habit. Create spaces for lunch, breaks, go for a walk, time out where you're not working because you're trying to cram everything in. Maybe you're doing too much otherwise. Yeah, even put in your schedule, I'm going to have a 20-minute cuppa then. I've got loads to do, but I'm going to take time out and have a break because otherwise I'm not going to be doing this at 100%. I'm going to be doing this at 60%. Sometimes, it depends. We've all got different lifestyles and different needs and responsibilities, but where possible, maybe walk instead of drive. I'm learning to do that just to create, it just slows my spirit down, slows my soul down, as well as good for my legs and good for the environment. If I can walk, I'll give myself a bit more space to walk there instead of you know, cram stuff in and leave it to the last minute and get there by driving. It's just learning these kind of things. That's what works for me, it might not work for you. Of course, on a daily basis, plug in with Father. Don't neglect his presence. Your daily bread of word and prayer. Book it in. Book it in. Or sometimes I even have to, I'm rubbish sometimes. And I can hit lunchtime. It's like, oh, I haven't picked my Bible up. Even by the end of the night sometimes. Like, oh, I haven't done it because it's been such a big, crazy busy day. I have to even put it in my calendar. Devotional time. <laughs> I have to remind myself it's in there. I have to do it so I know what I'm like. And of course, some of you this might be a problem. Some of you it might not be a problem. These babies, switching off notifications on my phone has worked wonders for me. It only buzzes me for a phone call or a text message. It doesn't buzz me for anything else now because it was going off with everything. 
And social media can be, it has its downsides, but it can be a brilliant thing as well. But when it's always buzzing me, my pocket's always telling me there's jump to attention and somebody wants you and you need to read something and make you feel popular. I'll just turn off the notifications. I only get notifications for texts or phone calls now because of emergencies. Anything else, I have to go looking for emails. I have to go looking for messages from people. And that way, I can just put it to one side and I'll come back to it later. It helps me. Turn it off, off. Turn it off as well. Sometimes I have 24-hour phone Sabbaths where I turn it off. If they really want me, I've got a landline. I create a 24-hour phone Sabbath. And actually, by the end of it, I don't want to turn it on. So sometimes it becomes 36 or 48 hours. It's quite nice. But it's not until you do it, you realise it's nice. Sometimes if you love your phone and you love connecting with friends, you love your word puzzles, wherever it might be, the thought of turning it off for 24 hours might sound horrific. It's not until you do it, you realise... This is like a balm to the soul. You don't realise. Again, it's like stepping out for rest. You don't realise you need it until you're there, but you have to force yourself to create it. Create these margins on a weekly basis. As we've already read in Exodus 20, about keeping the Sabbath holy. That word holy means set apart. Do you have a day in the week that is set apart? It's not about doing nothing, but it's set apart from your everyday routine. So it's a precious time to step away from the rest of the week. I remember when I was growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. And, but I do remember that Sabbath, Sunday, would mean that you don't watch TV except for Songs of Praise. Because that's different, isn't it? You don't watch TV and you'd scurry around and wear yourself out doing multiple services three or four times in the day and try and cram a roast dinner in. And I'm not sure sometimes, was that really a holy day? I don't know, really. Love you, Mum and Dad, if you're listening to this, but I'm not so, sh- I'm not so sure. Don't mishear me. You know, meeting together is vital. Hebrew says, don't give up meeting together. This is, this is a vital recalibrating and reconnecting of us as his people on the Sabbath day to praise him together. This revives us and renews us ready for the week ahead. You see? So this is good. Meeting together is good. Also, some of us need to serve on a Sunday. PA and band and preaching and so on and setting up the chairs and doing the kids' work. Some of us need to serve on a Sunday to make it function in the first place but we just need to get the right balance in amongst all of this and just to understand that we can take it to the extreme of overdoing church activity on what would otherwise be your Sabbath and we can turn it into a day of rules rather than healthy practice can't we? And then of course through all that we've missed the point of it being holy and what we can be doing is trying to find our holiness in our activity and not in his presence. John Mark Comer is one of my favourite preachers. He's in Portland in Oregon in the States. And he says this about Sabbath, about Sabbath day. He says, Sabbath is a line in the sand. In a culture of more, it's a way of saying enough. The rhythm of our society is to work more, buy more and repeat. But the rhythm of the kingdom is work for six days, but on day seven you stop, you rest and you delight. It says, Sabbath is a way to break our addiction to accomplishment and accumulation. I think that's brilliant. God knows what's best for us. and We have to listen to him, even if we don't feel we need it, and step out. And it's not until you do, you realize you need it. Even holidays, to be honest. I've learned the value of booking holidays, not when I feel I need them, but booking them at regular intervals anyway, way ahead. I've got this whole year planned. I've got it all booked up ahead of me. November, Christmas, I've booked it up because I used to get to the point where I feel I need a holiday and we need to scurry around and book a few more days off but by the time you got there you're so exhausted you don't 
fully benefit from having that time off. You needed more. So I'm booking regular intervals of time off. And then by the time you get there, you discover you did actually need it after all, <laughs> even if you didn't feel it. But having it at regular intervals creates this rhythm of work and rest throughout the year in weeks and in months, but also seasonal as well. There are seasons we, we need to recognise. Seasons of our life, where there's periods of years, periods of months that are busier than others, some are quieter than others. The key is ensuring that we get rest within that very cycle too. And that takes planning, like me and holidays, for example. Sometimes it's appropriate just to unplug from the usual cycles of life for longer periods of time in order to be refreshed for the longer haul. Otherwise, we're just going to run ourselves into the ground. It's not always possible, depending on your workplace and things like that. But I know, for example, in Australia, uh, they have it written into the contracts on a regular basis, most big employers, that every 11 years you have to take, I think it's two months out or something. It's, it's part of your, They know they're going to get more out of their staff if they build that in on a regular rhythm rather than trying to be productive and get as much and whip them across the back. There's value in it, creating space and seasons as well. It's not always possible, I know, but where possible, it's worth seeking it. Even if it's family holiday isn't just in the summer, isn't just scurrying around, keeping everybody happy and doing all the busy stuff, sometimes there's a place to actually, no, we're just going to slow everything down. It's knowing how to do that. On a personal note on this, as a pastor, much of my job is about seeking God's heart for you as individuals, but also for us as a, as a family, seeking his guidance for the future, asking God to know how to help you grow and to meet with you guys and to help us flourish as a family. It takes up a lot of my, my time and, and heart and sleep sometimes. I'm not, don't think... <laughs> Woe is me, I don't mean like that, but I just mean it's just a natural part of this job. But even, I'm in a team of other elders, but I lead the team. And so my heart is for the other guys in the team, for John and David. I, se I seek God's will for them and, and want to work with them in order to help them both grow. You never take your oil plates off, do you? As an elder, I want to do the same for them too. I want to pastor them as well and lead the team. It is a bit different to other jobs. And it can be all consuming. And there is a massive overlap of church work and family. That gets very blurry very quickly, very easily. And so days off can be affected. Jenny and I do guard severely against you know, keeping, keeping days off sacrosanct, but we are family and things do happen. So sometimes things come up on days off. That is a part of it. It's quite a different job. And I will stand before God one day and hold account for how, not just how I've led you guys and and discipled you guys, but also how I've balanced work and rest, particularly within my family in mind as well. I've got to hold account for that. I need to model work and rest well. And with that in mind, uh, just some of you may already be aware, but the elders and the trustees of the church have been extremely, extremely generous, very, very generous in granting me, gifting me a sabbatical this year for three months over this summer. I'll have been involved in leadership for 11 years here by then. Um, an elder for seven years and leading the team for five or six years. So it's a long time coming, but you've been very, very generous in granting me three months from the 1st of July to the 1st of October. I'm, Jenny and I are stepping out, stepping away. We won't be coming here on Sundays during that period, not because we don't love you, because we just inevitably get involved in pastoral conversations. It's just going to happen. It's not going to help us to step out ready to be renewed and refreshed. It's not because anything's going wrong, but it's because we want to ensure that everything keeps going right. 
We are not stepping out because I'm burnt out. It's just so that I rest and I renew, ready for our next phase here at Beacon. Some people have said to me, please don't leave us. I know you're going on sabbatical. I know what happens when people go on on sabbatical. God tells them where where they're going to go next. I have had nothing from God about that. I am utterly convinced right now that this is about renewing me, ready to lead the team and the church. I'm thoroughly excited about what God's got in store for Beacon in the next season. Thoroughly excited, and I want to be a part of it. So I'm not going anywhere, okay? Unless God out the blue says something different, as far as I'm concerned, this is about the next season of Beacon, not just the next season of me and Jenny and Amy as well. So Jenny and I will be stepping out on Sundays. We'll be disappearing for three months. Amy, we don't know yet. She might be here for Cornerstone some Sundays. She might be coming with us to see friends on other Sundays. We're going to let her decide what she's doing about that. You will be in very safe hands in the meantime. It just enables me just to step out of the normal routine of church life, which does blur into family and etc etc just ready for the next season i want to do that well i want to do that well and so thank you to the trustees and the elders for allowing me to be able to do that just so you're all up to speed with what's happening there but creating these various opportunities in our days in our weeks in our seasons where possible means we can temporarily remove the rucksack and lighten the load That's what these Sabbath days and Sabbath moments in your days and in your weeks is about. It's about lightening the load. It's about having a chance just to step out from the place of work, have a spiritual neck rub, stretch your shoulders, arch your back, breathe a bit lighter, stand a bit taller. It's an order so then you can then rework from a place of 100% rather than a place of 60-70% or worse. Does that make sense? Yes, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm going to have to preach at you all over again, aren't I? However, ultimately, ultimately, we need something more than just these helpful ideas and hints because there is something still deeper at stake, and that is where do we find our supreme rest? Because even while it's out of good intention, and even while we can still be resting for ourselves or even for God, the true rest we need to be experiencing actually comes from God. There is a genuine, permanent soul rest available, and that's found in Jesus. There's a wonderful passage that, where Jesus speaks in Matthew chapter 11. I just want to read it from the message, because I feel this is just a really helpful way of putting it. This is what Jesus says, Matthew 11, it's verses 28 to 30. But in the message, Eugene Peterson just really helpfully words it like this. He says, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out in religion? Come to me. Jesus says, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, this kind of rest, while it's important to seize the anchor points in our days and our weeks and our years for godly rest, this kind of rest also means we're able to work in a restful place. Even our work can contain a spirit of rest. What a thought. For example, you can have innate security when your company is having a reshuffle. You can know his rest within that frantic 
stressful workplace environment. You can trust that none of the unexpected is a surprise to him. That gives you a sense of rest even while you're working, doesn't it? You can have confidence that winging it as a parent doesn't mean you're a bad one. You can learn to let yourself off the hook when you're assuming others' expectations of you. I've done that, and I've built up other people's expectations, which are probably false anyway, and it makes you feel more frantic and stressful. When you're resting in Jesus, you know, I can just give that to him. I can give that to my Jesus. And actually in Jesus, therefore, a friend of mine, Andy Kite, is from our Camden church. He's written a new album recently, and one of his songs just declares this, just says, take off your burdens and lie in the warmth of the sun. That is what we can do in Jesus, even when we're working as well. True rest enables us to reclaim who we are. It's what Maureen was praying earlier about, where we find our true rest is found in our identity in him. True rest is an active pursuit that replenishes and reaffirms us in Jesus. That famous verse, Psalm 23, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. I've, I've been learning a little bit about shepherds, just to end. I've been learning about shepherds. And they tell us, apparently, it's not impossible to make a sheep lie down unless they're free from fear, tension, and hunger. If they've got any of those things, sheep will not lie down. So with that verse saying, yeah, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he makes me lie down in green pastures, it's because in him we can find that fear is gone, tension is gone, and hunger is gone. So only the shepherd for the sheep can ensure those things are gone. And Jesus is the one who can relieve us of our fears. Jesus is the one who can ensure our peace. Jesus is the one who can give us a deeper sustenance. And we won't find that if we're looking elsewhere. So I just think it'd just be good just to pray for a moment. I'm going to ask you, if you sense this need for rest that you've been missing, if you still sense that kind of that fear, that tension, that hunger, you still feel empty and you just know you're not looking in the right places, then it's time to look to Jesus again, isn't it? If you need to take, make a deliberate decision to, no, no, I'm not sorting my days out well or my weeks or my seasons I need to step back and take a look at what I'm doing and change what I'm doing and learn from others maybe you need to make that decision this morning whether it's your regular devotional times it's not about having a devotion every a devotional time every day for the sake of having to be able to tick that box it's about reconnecting with your with your creator that's what it is maybe you need to make a decision to I'm going to start doing that again I've let that drift. If that's you, and I'm one of them, I'm just going to invite you to stand as we pray. If you feel any of those things resonates with you, decision to change how you do your daily walk, your, how, you, how you do Sabbath, or even where you find your ultimate rest, if that's you, then please just stand with me. It's just an act to say before God's no, this is, this is what I need to do. I need to be deliberate. And just feel free to stand. And we're going to pray together. It doesn't have to be everyone. It's okay if you're sitting. 
But if you feel you need to do that, then stand. And we're going to pray. I'm going to say, Father. Father, some of us are reticent to work. Some of us can see in us a, a desire to do as little as possible. Some of us have a propensity to work and we can see in us a temptation to do too much. Some of us can rest well. Some of us are rubbish at it. Lord, we need your help to find the right balance. Holy Spirit, we need your healthy prompts and nudges to wake us up to the things we need to change. I just want to pray for those of us in the room that need to change how we do our just daily routine to make sure we are reconnecting with our creator at regular intervals. Help us to do that. Challenge us, challenge us prick at our conscience, will you, to help us to change. If we need to change our approach to Sabbath, whether we find that on the Sunday, whether we find that on another day of the week, help us to ensure that one day in seven we're not working, but we're finding a new way of resting in you. Help us to do that whether it's seasons and we need to change our current pace of life and we need to change it for a duration, will you help us to have, have the brave conversations with people in the right places to know what we need to do about that? Will you just help us? And Lord, some of us, we're unable to lie down because things keep us going. The, the, the need to be wanted, the fear that whatever we're doing, if we put it down, it will fall apart. Fear of people's expectations. A lack of peace about never getting things right. Or even just we feel like we're running on empty. Lord, we need to turn to you. And recognise that you're our great shepherd. You're the one who relieves us of our fears. You're the one who can ensure our peace. You're the one ultimately, who gives us a deeper sustenance. Help us to keep turning to you. Help us to find our true rest in you. And help us <laughs> to stop being distracted by the bling of sin around us and finding it somewhere else. Because we never will. You are our true rest, Jesus. We celebrate you for that. Help us to reclaim you as our true north once again, to refine our true north and our compasses and to keep our faces always turned towards you at all times. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you want prayer for anything of what we touched on, but anything else in particular, feel free to come and find myself, John, David, someone who's been up the front. We'd love to pray with you. Teas and coffees are now served out through the back doors. Uh, parents, if you want to fetch your children, that would be lovely. We'd love to give them back. And uh, we do. And uh, please don't forget, 10 a.m. on Tuesday is Esme's, Esme's Easter Club down on the, uh, the green at Hampton. Please do join us if you're able to. And uh, I'm going to be lurking around here for any Andy Kind bookings, any tickets you want to make. We can do it here and now, and then you won't forget. Get tickets for your friends. There's only a fiver ahead. I'm going to lurk around at the front for a little while. Thank you, everyone.